everybody, and welcome to the Digital Marketeer. I'm your host, Stephanie Beach, and today I'm speaking with Jeremy Fast, SVP and Head of Digital Re Revenue at the Arena Group. Hi, Jeremy. Thanks so much for joining. How are you? Hey, Steph. Pleasure. Doing well. Happy Friday. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. I'm very happy it's Friday for sure, and I'm happy that the weather is beautiful out. For Would sure. you like to tell everybody a little bit more about yourself and the Arena Group? Yeah, sure. So I, I'm currently the uh, I, I run the digital ad revenue sales and business operation for the Arena Group. The Arena Group is a technology powered media company. And I think every media company says that these days. Uh, we're a little bit different. The Arena Group started as a tech platform for independent creators. Um, and the creators were really independent publishers. So the platform was actually developed as a WordPress on steroids. So it was really a publishing platform technology. Um, and so we provided a platform for independent publishers to publish, distribute, and monetize their assets. You know, and it's been, I've been with the company for three years now. It's been a great ride, ton of growth, ton of evolution, ton of challenges. Um, we, we've sort of pivoted uh, our business model a bit in that the Arena Group is a collection of, we're, we're, we're a centralized infrastructure. So we have a platform in a box for uh, for publishing, distribution, and monetization. So we help media owners modernize the way they go about distributing and monetizing in particular. But we've pivoted about two and a half some odd years ago. We started uh, we started acquiring. So we started purchasing media brands. Mm. So now what we've done is we've brought these worlds together where we are a we are we have a, a, a single backbone of technology. Um, we have anchor brands that we've acquired. So we have uh, five anchor brands that create five different verticals. And, and those brands include Sports Illustrated, for sports, The Street is a, is a top brand in finance. We've recently acquired Men's Journal, which is our anchor for the men's lifestyle vertical. Parade uh, is, a, is a legacy and iconic brand for female lifestyle. And so our business model is a common, it, it's rooted in premium brands, single infrastructure and technology, and then there's a lot of partnerships that we create by giving other publishers the tools to publish to our infrastructure. And then we coalesce all of that media and reach and inventory um, and make it available for advertisers, which which drives our our partnerships. Um, and I could I could elaborate beyond that if it, if it's helpful. Yeah, that's really interesting. So are you partnering then with the SSPs to be able to make this content? available and you know how are the brands kind of intertwined into that or are you using the brands to advertise on these publications to help with the monetization it, yeah so great question so the short answer on on the programmatic connection and monetization side the short answer is yes it's a big but we're connected to the, the you know the the main stake SSP platforms. Mm -hmm. I, I can be a little clearer on the sort of the 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 um, on, on when I say brands on the publishing side. What we do is we take a premium brand that we acquire. We use it as the anchor property. So take SportsIllustrated.com, gotcha. right? Mm -hmm. 
premium iconic brand, you know, amazing equity with with consumers, uh, et cetera. But it was underutilized. We, we could say poorly operated, right? And so we acquire that brand. We then make an inject in, in, in investment in capital and resources and know-how. But with that brand, what we do for SI in particular, we don't have the bandwidth, editorial bandwidth to cover certain areas like golf or MMA, or we, we currently have almost 90 local team sites where we just don't have the editorial mm. bandwidth to cover a particular market, right? The way that it should be covered for loyal local fans. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we, we have a partnership program where we work with other journalists. Uh, in the case of, of the team sites, we have a guy by the name of Mike Fisher who covers the Dallas Cowboys. And he knows everything about the Dallas Cowboys. He's been covering it for decades. And so what happens is they actually publish to SI.com. As a consumer, if you're on SI.com, if you're on a local part of the site, if you're following a local team or you're reading, you know, you're, you're passionate about hockey or MMA, you would never know that we're not creating that content. Right. Um, the consumer appears to be SI. And so that's that's been a big part of what's been driving our growth is that we we create a lot of original content and then distribute that content in areas where consumers are, including the web. But we also partner with other journalists um, who publish to our infrastructure, which has enabled us to scale um, more quickly. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. It's it's a very interesting take and and unique perspective on it, but seems like something that was kind of needed in the marketplace to help some of these publishers. I do have a, a publisher background as well. Um, our journey began working, you know, at Pubmatic together, and I always felt like the publishers really needed the most help, but always had like the lowest budget. They also had a lot of hurdles to get over with editorial and content and where to place the ads and what's the right number of ads and what's the right function and how do we monetize and how do we increase, you know, viewership and adoption and and all of that. It seems like Arena Group and, you know, your platform has kind of helped to bring all of those things together and make it a little bit more functional and digestible for some of these publishers is, is I'm kind of hearing more of that solution type of a thing. Is, is that correct? Spot on. Yeah. So you, we, we currently have 250 different websites or uh, sort of content creators that sit on the platform. Wow. Um, it really, yeah, it is. And to your point, if, if you're an independent journalist, right. Or if you have a web, sometimes they're independent journalists, sometimes they had at their own website. Mm-hmm. So in some cases they publish to our anchor brand, like an SI.com or the street.com. In other cases, they maintain their website. We just give them the infrastructure and the tooling for publishing, audience development, SEO, uh, you know, audience segmentation and development and privacy and regulation. So it's really a platform in a box, if you yeah. will. But we, we're not just working with any website owner. We try to keep it focused on core verticals mm-hmm. so that we build passionate, curated reach in certain areas, which certainly help, helps you know, what we offer on the advertising side. Um, but you're spot on. If you're not a part of a major media holding company, you know, I too, I've worked at the likes of Condé Nast and Vox. Um, New York Media was a, was, a, was a smaller aggregator of six websites. But if you're not a part of these major, I mean, it's hard enough to thrive when you are a part of these major publishing groups. So if you're a standalone, you know, website, if you have great content, just the cost of 
the cost of running your business, it's almost become impossible to stay alive, right? The engineering talent, the editorial talent, the infrastructure, the know-how, all those aspects of content distribution, monetization, data. Um, so that, that's what we do. Yeah, we give the platform to those to those creators, if you will, and then we help them uh, sort of append what they're doing to a, a larger a larger model. That's great. So within all of this, you know, what exactly is your role, and are you responsible for, and and who would be your ideal customer? Um, you know. I, I understand that you're looking for a specific type of publisher um, with certain criteria. So if someone is interested in working with you, um, who would be that the ideal customer? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it comes in different forms. My responsibility for the company is everything digital ad revenue. Mm-hmm. And so we typically, you know, I, I look at it in, in sort of three, four, three or four buckets, right? You have what we call direct sales, which is, we'll call it anything from events to branded content, editorial sponsorships, you know, more integrated marketing solutions. Um, so that's one area of our business. It's, it's a great area of focus for us. Um, that's one. Secondly, we have premium programmatic, which you and I know well, right? The, the, the world of working with marketers through programmatic pipes, mm-hmm. but having that one to few or one to one relationship. So our private marketplace or premium programmatic channel would be number two, also a sales channel, but more automated. And then we have our full programmatic yield operation. Um, and so I oversee those three revenue streams. We also have commerce and syndication, which are growing businesses for us. I'm not responsible for those businesses, mm-hmm. but we do partner closely. Fourth piece for me that I'm, I'm directly responsible for is our data strategy. So we've we've made a meaningful investment in our first party data. And how do we productize that and package that to, to, to make it available to the marketing community? To, the answer to your question, it depends. We partner directly with brands mm-hmm. and media agencies. And they're an ideal customer for us. Premium programmatic, similarly. And then in the programmatic world, we're, we're working with a, a number of partners, the, the mainstream exchanges, anyone else that adds unique value when it comes to the programmatic yield uh, and yield operations. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, a, it's sort of a holistic view on optimizing our digital ad revenue and optimizing yield is, is um, my job. Awesome. And so, you know, we spoke a little bit about publishers kind of needing the revenue, having the most trouble getting there. What are, or how could publishers utilize, you know, digital media advertising to achieve their goals and drive revenue? What are some of the ways that you've worked with them or that you can work with them? And what are some factors that they should consider when when looking to kind of implement something like this? And, and you're asking from the from publishers who want to monetize their media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think partnering and coalescing is key. It it depends, right? If you're if you're an independent publisher, I do believe that they're partnering with a larger platform who could provide a service and take care of the operational burden, right? We're a sizable business operation, so we have a meaningful investment in in tech infrastructure and data mm-hmm. infrastructure operational infrastructure in search and SEO and audience development. So we take that burden off of the publisher. 
Um, so from that sense, I think it's just partnering with a technology company and a sales house, if you will, to still you know do what you love and build great content. And, and a lot of the folks that sit on our platform have successful businesses. You know, they're able to actually support their families and run a really successful business. It could be quite lucrative for them. And others, it might be, you know, it might be something that they do part time, but they're really passionate about it. And, 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 you know, and they're really good at the content that they generate. So that's on the publishing side. I, I think the world is changing, you know, is ever evolving. And so we're, we're pivoting our platform to focus on creators of all kinds, which is something that I'm really focused on. Right. So you talk about where we were an expert at optimizing business for web 1.5 to 2.0, right? When it comes to distributing to Facebook, Google Discover, YouTube, mm -hmm. um, it comes down to like the publishing cadence, the format, what works best to maximize reach. And then obviously having our yield stack, right? So how do we run our programmatic yield stack? How do we optimize RPM and yield while, my, while maintaining a good user experience? But we're, we're now at a position as a company where we're, we're pivoting a bit, right? You look at the world around us, whether it be AI or, you know, the fact that I have a seven, I think you said your daughter was 11, right? My daughters are seven and six and they don't, they don't go to websites unless it's Amazon. And so. Or YouTube. Or YouTube, which is <laughs> or YouTube. Yeah. Um, and so we think there's a real opportunity for the arena group to help independent creators, in different environments. So now it's on us to get involved. And that's where we're focused is how do we platform and monetize and distribute on the likes of TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whereas we were really built for web optimization and now we're pivoting. And so I don't think that answers your question, but that, that's a little bit more on where we're focused now. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And it is very interesting. Um, you know, we did a prior episode on reaching Gen Z and the, the younger demographic and how that digital using patterns are very different than any other generation. So the fact that you're kind of morphing into that and kind of evolving the company to be able to capture that, I think is very interesting and very telling as well as validating some of our prior reports and, and knowledge on this. So with that, with the creators, I think it's very fascinating and interesting to be able to give these people almost like a, a second wind in their career because, you know, for a publisher and for consumers, the content that we're intaking is so important and the quality of that and the consistency of that and being able to capture all of the information and all of the, the ideas that are out there are really fascinating to me that we're, you're kind of doing this through independent content creators and that mm -hmm. that is really becoming more of the forefront here. So how does a creator work with you? And what are the criteria that it takes to be a, a content creator for the arena group? It's a great question. So admittedly, I'd say we're in like the, the top of the first inning, bottom of the second. So we're, we're still, we're just sort of bootstrapping here. Um, I think the, we seek out the creators at the moment. Okay. So there are many creator platforms, right. And agencies that represent what we, what we're looking to do is leverage. We believe that while on social, it's the talent and the influencer, right? That matters most, right? These influencers, whether you have 100,000 followers or a million followers, it's that community that is engaged, mm -hmm. right? How do marketers tap into that in a meaningful brand safe manner? 
what we're doing is we're leveraging our brands, right? So think about Men's Journal or Sports Illustrated. Men's Journal is an iconic brand when it comes to outdoor, um, where we just recently acquired Surfer and Bike as well. And so what we're doing is we're connecting with influencers that are passionate and have followers, right? And that create their own content. But we're coming up with concepts on how we wanna work with them in their own voice, in their own way, but we come up with the concept because we have relationships with marquee brands. Mm -hmm. So we believe we can, our goal, the way I see it, at least my opinion on where I believe we're going to have a lot of success is leveraging the access of our brand, right? Sports Illustrated has a cover. Our, the SI cover is, is almost every athlete wants to be on the right. cover. Yep. It's a huge accomplishment. So imagine we could leverage something like that, or if we're doing an editorial series with women in sports, and we're covering the best women in sports. And imagine we're able to bring in influencers, right? That can extend that to bring together amazing marquee talent, whether it be athletes or in business or other. And so our, our business, the way we're approaching it is to pair, influencers are still interested in the brand access, right? The association right. with the brand Sports Illustrated. Um, so it's a combination of access, brand association, and then it really comes down to creative concepting um, and working with the right influencers. So today we seek out those influencers and we have a list of about 25 influencers that we work with per vertical, mm. which is ever expanding. And that, that you know, so it, it's really more of a curated sort of program by program approach at the moment. And, and hopefully we're able to scale it from there. That's great. And a very interesting concept. I, I could go on and on about millions of questions with all of that. But I'm going to kind of get us back on track a little bit because I do find that content creation portion of this very interesting. And it's kind of twofold then, right? You're helping the publishers, um, but you're also helping the creators with getting their content out there. And it's interesting because as you grow, you know, more creators are going to comment and that is going to evolve as well. Are you working with some of these creators and or publishers in um, how to drive strategy for the monetization and, and keep up readership? You know, part of, like we said, the younger generation isn't really consuming media in the same aspect. So while you're looking to evolve that, you know, is this content going to be able to fit all of those different criterias on the different platforms? It's not necessarily just the publisher forum anymore, right? Where you're going to a website and reading this content. Now you have to think about, okay, if they're not going to these websites, where can I get them to get this content or be interested in this to click to get to the content? So how are you kind of combating that? Or how are you advising some of your clients on strategy for that? And I know, like you said, it's still very early stages, but it's definitely something good to think about. Yeah, I mean, the, the majority of the work that we're doing at the moment, Stephanie, is brand led. So in the beginning, I talk about how we help independent publishers, but but also remember that we own and operate a collection of iconic media brands. Right. So the independent publishing is an is sort of an add-on, right? It's it's curated reach into the brands that we own or around to help with scale, particularly helps with programmatic, right? Reach and, and targeting. When it comes to the creators, it, it's it's brand led. Okay. So we are doing work with creators where we're, you know, for example, we were just out, out at F1. We flew four of our creators out there and we spent time at F1 in Miami. And we have a program where we're covering, Sports Illustrated believes that F1, our audience really resonates with F1. 
we're covering F1 on our website. And then in order to extend that reach, we partner with these creators who go to F1, right? And we have concepts on what they're gonna do while they're there. And they're covering content. In the case of Miami, they covered content while out there. Some of these creators have big reach themselves. So the benefit is that they can post to their handle. What we're doing is we're, connect, we're connecting marquee marketing brands to the influencers because we already have great relationships with marketing brands. And we think that there's an opportunity to build amazing editorial for digital editorial, like video sponsorships and video distribution on the web and YouTube, and then to extend that into the influencer marketplace. So you sort of strengthen your reach, strengthen the stories you can tell to different audiences. Um, and so the goal is to be cross-platform where you could speak to an audience on the web, on social, on social web, um, you know, and sort of uh, distribute where where the audience really, really resides. And have you seen any change in strategy or content monetization due to the current financial climate and being in a recession? I'm finding that there are clients that are very nervous of, of what's to come. And with a lot of what's happening in our industry, people just kind of, I guess, being scared are there any, is there anything, I guess, is what I'm asking that these publishers are doing or viewing differently, or maybe you're advising differently to be a little bit more precautious during these times? Yeah. I mean, it, it takes different forms for us. I think on one hand, you know, you take a property like the street, right? They are a financial property. So the street, we own the street. Um, it's a number 12 financial property in, in Comscore. 17 million uniques, all about investing. So in that case, the the you know pure play endemic financial institu- institutions, we do see a hold on the market, right? I think they're holding back to see what happened with interest rates and and all these sort of financial conditions, if you will. So in that case, yes, uh, brokerages and financial institutions, some are playing the long game on reaching younger audiences, and and I think some are holding back a little bit and and waiting to see how things play out. And we are seeing that in in for sure in our finance vertical. More broadly, it depends. It's not one shape. You know, Q1 was definitely difficult. I think we're we actually are are seeing a lot of success, thankfully, in Q2. For us, it's a little bit different in that for Sports Illustrated and our sports vertical in particular, we've just got some amazing strategic. We do a really we have some strategic partnerships where where we program some really compelling content for them. And we're on the second or third iteration of those partnerships. So we're very fortunate in that we work with, you know, marquee brands and we're on sort of the, again, the second or third round. So those are, you know, residual, if you will. So that that's been great. And then some of these other brands, listen, we just bought men's journal. We just acquired men's journal three, four, five, four, five, four, five months ago. Um, and, and similarly for parade. So it takes some time for us to build the audience to, right. to apply a playbook. While there's been some softness in the market, I, I feel pretty good that we, we control our own destiny because a lot of these brands hadn't been utilized the right way, digital media brands. Um, but there's certainly, you know, there's uncertainty in the market for sure. You know, we see that across. Thankfully for us, we are, uh, we're publicly traded. So this, this was in our earnings report, but we're, we're, we are, there's softness in certain pockets, though overall we're, um, we're cautiously optimistic that the back, the back half is going to perform well. Um, and we hope that the, you know, the financial climate sort of uh, the way everything's pl- everything plays out uh, enables that to happen. 
So what are some obstacles that you are finding for your clients to achieve success? What are some of the things that often come up that might be a theme or more common to kind of hinder success for, for some of your clients? Yeah, again, I think it really depends on the type of product and offering, right? Because we we were we offer products and services across just about every format, right? Events, branded content, editorial sponsorship and programming, video production or pre-roll, um, targeted display, high impact data partnerships. For me, I think the biggest challenge is sort of the opportunity. On on one hand, I think the brands want custom, right? They want to be able to tell their brand the brand narrative on a custom basis with media partners. That that that's a that's an opportunity and a challenge is building from the ground up, concepting with a brand, producing it from the ground up. Real opportunity. We find a lot of success there. It, it's a heavy lift in order to do that and scale that business. So that's one. Conversely, I would say on the programmatic side, the continued demise of the third-party cookie, and you look at cookie syncing and match rates, we're fortunate where we have over 100 million deduplicated uniques platform-wide. So we see really good performance from from large programmatic exchanges and programmatic partners. The continued demise of the third-party cookie, we have, I think it's 60, 65% of our inventory that resides on Safari, iOS, Firefox, the performance of that inventory on a yield basis is one third of what we see for Chrome or you know uh, inventory that has an addressable cookie. Mm-hmm. And so that's a major challenge for us is how do we monetize? How do we better monetize that inventory? You know, with marketers, with when it comes to targeting and attribution, it's it's not an easy solve. Yeah. So those those are two in particular. Um, and that kind of segues into my next question, which was. How are publishers preparing for a cookie-less world? Are, are you helping you know, some of your publishers figure out what's the best strategy? And do you feel like the publishing world is ready for this? Yeah, I mean, listen, Google keeps on pushing back, right? When, when, they, when and if they will deprecate third-party cookies. I think we, our approach is to test and learn and lean in. So we've made an investment in a first-party data platform where we're using first-party cookies as a means to target our users. There's nearly 100% addressability. So when somebody enters the platform, we, we, we can target them, right, which is helpful. So the good news for us is we, we've made the investment in both infrastructure and human resources, which is really important. We have one person who's really smart, dedicated to the strategy and development, who's very well-respected and has done this for a long time. The question is, how do you then apply it to build revenue? Mm-hmm. So it applies to all aspects of our business, right? Media planning, operations, sales, and so that process is difficult because you've got to educate different departments and enable them. And ultimately, hopefully everybody's interested to incorporate it. And so I think the enablement part is challenging. So one application is sales, right? Using first party data and insights and intelligence on consumers to help you be more effective as a sales organization, mm-hmm. whether it's idea-based selling or high impact media, you know, whatever it may be. The other part of the business where you and I come from is, is the exchange, right? The bid stream. And, and that's where for us, our strategy right now is, is kind of threefold. One is building a smart first party audience library that is curated and high fidelity and, and, and organized and transparent. That's one. The second is identity. So we are working with with identity partners, and this is a big challenge, whether it be 
Amazon, Newstar, Experian, Verizon, whomever, uh, we are integrated with many of them where they will append their identity solution to our inventory to help us better monetize so that it's stronger signal to the yep. buying community. And our position is just let's provide as much signal as we can to the buying community. The challenge is measurement uh, and not really knowing what the buying community is looking for. Right. And so it's very hard as a as a publisher. Um, you integrate a new partner. What impact are they having on on your on yield and performance? Mm-hmm. And so for us, it's first party data. It's working with the identity providers. Th- those are probably the the main aspects. And then and you know and then and then just being smart about how we allocate inventory to whom. Right. We sit on a lot of inventory, and so we want to make sure that programs perform for, par- for partners. We also know certain inventory suits certain platforms better. So how do we make an investment in allocating certain inventory sets to the right partner at the right time? Uh, and, And that's both an opportunity, but also a big challenge. And do you see possibly in the future or have any ideas if this might be something that you guys are looking to put into fruition, but with capturing such rich first party data across various brands that you own and sites that you work with, do you see maybe an opportunity for more of like a second party data selling type of a thing for the people that maybe don't have their own data and know that this is rich, valuable data? I know there was a couple of publishers back in the day when I was at Pubmatic that kind of created more like a data consortium kind of a thing. Yeah. Where they're they had a collective of publishers, you know, one of my clients was Meredith at the time, and they did this really well. Um, And I think, you know, Chip, and and he was a very smart person, and and he kind of led this, but where they then kind of packaged and resold it. And it was very rich there, you know, obviously, these publishers gave consent and all of that. And it was a small portion of their overall data, and so on and so forth. But it was a very interesting concept that performed really well. And with cookies going away and with some people might not, you know, maybe not having a solution or having the the, the money to implement an infrastructure for a solution, I'm kind of seeing that, you know, purchasing a second party data could be a way to still stay in the game. You know, it might not be the best long-term solution, but at least you know who you're hitting and and what that data set looks like. Are you guys looking to do anything like that or planning anything like that? No, we're, I I do think that there's, it's not that I don't believe there's opportunity in that business short term. I do. Uh, We just, the audience extension business or decoupling data as a service. I have experience in that business, both the Facebook audience network and Conde. I I don't think we, 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 we're not going to at the moment. We've got you know, we have enough scale of our own right that we want to help. If there's publishers on our platform, then we'll coalesce and productize and and best mo- try to best monetize. But we're not going to decouple the data. We 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 only will do. I think there's an interest for us to do that with select partners, mm-hmm. but on a case by case basis. So, for example, if we're working with a given marketer and we know that we have their audience, whether it be in finance or sports or what have you, an outdoor company for Men's Journal in particular, then we're, we're very willing to use that, that audience and in the, enable them to activate against the audience off of our platform in an addressable manner. But we're not trying to build a, a you know, we're not trying to get involved in the data licensing, push our data to a data store that's available mm. for market access. 
I just think that there's a ton of challenges with that. We just want to use our understanding of our audience to help marketers on our platform, but it's got to be marketer led. And what do you think, or what have you seen the biggest obstacle or challenge really being in the publisher space right now? Great question. I, I really believe that I think that there's massive opportunity we're, we're, we have we produce a lot of original video, but we're not a broadcaster. So I think it depends on who you're talking to. I think the biggest opportunities in the publishing community today is streaming as a service. Uh, you know, obviously, if you're if you're a, a video producer at scale for high quality original video content, I think the changes on what's happening in in-stream and outstream and web there's going to be a real separation for marketers to distinguish on what is a, you know, on a big screen in a room addressable versus what somebody might be watching on their mobile phone that's in an article. And so the I think for to answer the question directly, you asked about challenges. I think one is the I would say social, right? Is really for publishers, you don't own your own distribution on I mean some 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 have major follower followings on organic handles but you're still a bit at the mercy of the platforms, right? right? You, don't, you don't own your own content rights and distribution rights full, full, full stop. And so I think that's one challenge is, is had still to this day, how do you monetize social and distribute on social in a way that drives meaningful business performance? That's one. And then secondly, you know, I think AI, right? We, we, you and I, we, we've met in, earlier in our careers in ad tech, there's all this lot these, you know, logic based, uh, platforms, right? In, in ed tech and now with AI, I think for, for publishers as well is like how do publishers leverage AI in a, um, in a safe manner? Where does the line get drawn when it comes to automated content creation, as well as, you know, a lot of, the, a lot of ad tech platforms, I think AI has the ability to learn over time and, and what impact does that have on the ad tech ecosystem as a whole? So I, I would say those are the two big ones. I would say social and AI are probably the two big things that I'm, I'm paying close attention to. And we're trying to figure out how to leverage those things to better our business and better what we offer to partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and then video, I think, is just, you know, the, the world of video and streaming and fast channel growth is an incredible opportunity for premium brands and programmers. And so how do we get involved in that space at scale and leverage the brand of SI or Men's Journal in those environments? Where do you see the publisher industry going? Like, um, I know you said that there's been a lot of changes and you guys are, you know, thinking about the next generation. Where do you see the publisher industry as a whole kind of evolving? That's a great question. I think it. I think if we're looking on a decade term, I think they're, they're web-based publishers have to have to really pivot. You know, I don't think websites are going away. I'm 36. You know, I think there are people in their 20s, I'd imagine. I don't have many friends in their 20s, but I'd imagine teen, you know, high teens and low 20s still appreciate brands and go to websites and understand the value of editorial content. Um, so I think we have time where web-based platforms are still relevant, though I think the ability to grow audience on web-based platforms is going to continue to be a struggle. So I think we're going to see more more streaming than ever before. I think folks that have really great IP, you're going to see the distribution channel start to change and and who previously had rights on broadcast on broadcast rights, those may change, right? You now have Amazon, Apple, uh, other fast channels in the business. Um, and so I think you look at the leagues, 
right? Could one of those platforms, you know, they're already carrying some rights, uh, Thursday Night Football, for example, for Amazon. So can that expand? Can they expand those partnerships? So I, I think I still believe in premium brands. I do. I believe that there's a place for premium brands. I do think that those brands are going to have to pivot and figure out how to leverage social, how to leverage AI, and then really get involved in the ideally in the in the video business. And then the, you know there are still still vehicles like print or events that mm-hmm. we talk about everything digital. But the truth is, there's still a really great place for for you know iconic brands to play a role in event activations. Right? I see it's incredible. We have a Super Bowl activation and a few other a swimsuit launch coming up, and it's incredible. Like you're at these events and you just sort of that experience and the ability for brands to integrate into those experiences. I don't think is going anywhere. And print the same. You know, some people still love to to hold a print vehicle. So, but I do think like I do think that the media landscape is ever evolving and more rapidly now than ever before potentially. So I don't think that brands have to go from who they are today to something totally different tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But I do think the ability to sort of reinvent themselves on a socially led basis and make sure that distributing on the fast channels in particular, you, you sort of got to make sure you're ahead of the curve on all these 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 elements or it could lead to the death of some of these businesses, in, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's a lot to juggle and it's a lot to think about as well as, you know, trying to just get the day to day done, right? But it's very interesting on how much it's changed and and where we think it's going, right? Nobody really knows what the outcome is going to be. All we could really do is kind of look at the online data and the patterns and the usage and the behavior to really analyze and understand what what could be and what's to come. And then, as always, there'll be more tech companies and and other businesses and and development and creation to be able to adhere to that, combat that, and really be able to service that industry and that generation. It's it's very crazy. I mean, you know, we come from a time where we're seeing print media kind of fall at, at its wayside. And now I feel that even though digital is still so new, right, and programmatic and automation and all of this is still so new, but it's also growing so quickly that like how, how do we keep up and 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 what is it that we could really do to i mean maybe not slow it down but to stay ahead of the curve you know i think it's it's very telling and very interesting of how the industry is changing both from a publisher landscape as well as a consumer landscape completely to totally agree. With with disruption comes a lot of opportunity, mm-hmm. right? So there will be people who are already building new businesses and, and new platforms um, that will take advantage of this. That you and, and you're spot on. Automation is going to play a bigger role. I do think that you know content creators now. Everybody is a content creator, yeah. and so how do you how do you curate that and wrap that into into meaningful value for a marketing partner? Right? How do you leverage brand, premium brand, in the world that we're in today? Um, and then video. One thing I'm, you know, bullish about is there's always going to be the high quality IP, right? Where you have docu series or mid form or longer form. You you have to have real programming muscle to build that. So I think that's an area that's that's quite well protected. 
but but you know it'd be interesting to see how the viewership continues to go to fast and away from linear and you know all, all these different dynamics will certainly play a role in, in how money how and where money gets traded yeah definitely well thank you jeremy this has been great i always like to end the segment with two fun questions so the first one is what was your first job ever my first job i worked at well, I actually, I taught business, I taught English in, in Spain. I didn't make a lot of money. So it depends on what you classify as a job. <laughs> and then I quickly thereafter worked at a storage facility. It was a thank you for calling Manhattan mini storage. How can I help you? Nice. Um, so it was a sales, it was a sales job, but a, you know, an inside sales job. How about yourself? Um, my first job was fold and close at a laundromat. Okay. Yeah, I used to hang outside of this laundromat and they, you know, they were really nice people and they're like, does anyone want to make some extra money and come help us? So that's what I did. <laughs> that was yeah. like my real first thing. Um, and if you could choose a different career, money is no object, dream job, pie in the sky, what would it be? I think it'd either be uh, a coach of a sport or a scout. Okay. Yeah, I, I would love to be a scout for talent, particularly in basketball. I'd love to be a basketball coach or a basketball scout. Nice. How about yourself? So I would host a cooking show or or do something where I could just travel full time. There you go. That sounds yeah. so nice. Thanks. Um, do either of your girls play basketball? Not really. We we they soccer more so. Yeah, I my daughter's to, in soccer to too. Get a basketball hoop on our driveway for a couple months. So they do dribble the ball sometimes. Yeah, but not 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 quite yet. Well, hopefully they'll get into it and you could have a little bit of your dream at a at a school event. <laughs> right. That's this a little was, more real. Yeah, right. Um, this was really great. I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Um, where could our listeners find you if they have additional questions or are interested in working with the arena group? Yeah, I would say to re- re- LinkedIn is probably the best vehicle. So reach out to me directly on LinkedIn. Uh, thank you for having me. This has been great. It's great to reconnect with you, Steph. Yes. Uh, it's love, been great. The, love all that you're doing. Uh, yeah, either either on LinkedIn or feel free to email me at, at my first name dot last name at the arena group.net. Awesome. Well, thank you so much and hope you have a great day. Likewise. Thanks.